Facebook seems to be running a little bit slow today. So we'll see how this goes. Um, this is our Wednesday evening Bible study for the First Congregational Church in Belding, Michigan. And um, if you're listening to this on YouTube, this was recorded on April 29th. This is the Wednesday evening. And if you're listening to through Spotify, Google Play, Apple Music, or any of those for the podcast, thank you for downloading it and taking time out of your day to give us a quick listen. This is a uh, part three of what is looking like it's going to be more like a six or seven part series on heaven, hell, and the afterlife as I continue to um, prepare this and seeing that I'm, I'm going to need to expand it a little bit. Um, I know I asked for a couple of people if they want to email some questions in. So feel free to email questions in um, pastorholford at gmail.com or you can um, leave them in the chat. One of the questions that came up earlier from last week was Dean was asking why some of the books that I'm referencing like Josephus and Enoch and Maccabees, why they're not necessarily in our canon of scripture. And by canon of scripture, I mean when you open or you go to Baker Bookhouse or anywhere you buy um, a Bible and they don't seem to be in there. If you look at um, the Catholic canon, um, Enoch and Maccabees are in there. Um, but um, we'll do a study on that and the reasons why some of those things are not in there. For Josephus, Josephus is pretty straightforward for why he's not um, included in scriptures because Josephus is strictly a um, historical writer. Um, he wrote history for the Romans. Um, he wrote Jewish history for the Romans so they could understand who they were um, conquering and who they were um, occupying. So that's one of the reasons why Josephus definitely is not in, involved in the canon of scripture. But it's one of the reasons that we, um, I reference Josephus quite a bit is because it adds a lot of historical context. So Josephus only mentions Jesus in passing maybe once or twice, maybe three times at the most. Um, but he really gives us a good look at what Jewish culture was like in that time through the eyes of a Jewish man. Uh, so that's one of the reasons we reference um, Josephus quite a bit. I don't know, Dean, did, did you finish um, the writings of Josephus that you borrowed or did you finish Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Which one did you finish? But um, for Maccabees and Enoch, there are multiple different reasons why they are usually not included in the canon of scriptures. Um, we'll do a study later on on how the scriptures that we have today were assembled. Um, if I'm um, just a quick synopsis, really would basically be some guys got together, they prayed over it, and it's a bit more complex than that. There's a little, probably a little bit of politics involved and looking at what the Jewish people had in their scriptures already in um, what we consider our Old Testament. If you think of um, um, the Pentateuch, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, um, those were kind of the Jewish scriptures, and then you added Isaiah. And all the different Old Testament texts that we have are generally accepted um, in the Jewish in the Jewish um, communities as well. So Dean says, "Heck no." So I'm assuming he means "heck no" to the Josephus reading. Um, it's very dry. It's one of those ones that. Um, oh, but he did finish Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so he knows where his towel is then. But we're gonna um, get going. It's three minutes past seven. So we have been the last two weeks. We have been discussing heaven, hell, and the afterlife, and we've really been um, focusing 
on um, hell or what the idea of hell is. And in our Western construct, um, in our Western mindset, we have this idea of hell as a place where people go when they die who are not Christians and they burn for eternity. That's kind of like what is sold in in the media of what um, churches believe and what the scriptures say. And we dived into a couple of the, um, to find the context of when Jesus uses the word hell and how it was the word Gehenna that was uh, transliterated from the sons of the Valley of Hinnom and how what Jesus is really getting to the point at when he's talking about in Matthew chapter 5, hell and all that, is this idea of dehumanizing the other. Um, dehumanizing other people um, because at the Valley of the Son of Hinnom in Jewish um, history, we find that that is where kings and people went to sacrifice their own children to the god Molech, who got um, uh, an idol. So we find that when Jesus is saying um, it is better for you to um, gouge your eyes out and throw them into the pits of Gehenna, he is saying that as you, it's better for you to 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 um, not dehumanize somebody. That in 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 the sin, in this idea of what. As we interact with each other, and we're going to talk about this, the opposite kingdoms, kingdom of God and the kingdom of, in this context, we'll be talking about maybe more the kingdom of Rome, is this idea that um, when we sin, when we're not in harmony with God, we dehumanize the other. Every time we dehumanize the other, as we don't see them as valid human beings made in the image of God, we are entering into hell. We are entering into this place where we are willing to sacrifice another human being for what we might consider the betterment of our own good. Um, so when we talk about hell, we really want to talk about how it exists in the present more than this idea of what we kind of pull out of the book of uh, Revelation. Um, and Dan does a great job of Revelation. We're planning on doing our study on Daniel and Re on Revelation again so that we can really tease out that lake of fire part again. But we tend to get a lot of our hell vigils from hell from the, um, the book of Revelation and a couple of scriptures from Matthew, which we kind of dissected already, saying this is the idea that they get for fire and all that comes from the idea of, of child sacrifices. And then we went on and we discussed um, the uh, parable and we discussed that maybe it wasn't a parable, right? It might have been a story. It's the only time that anybody, um, anytime that Jesus uses a proper name, as in Lazarus, when it comes to some of the stories that he told. So he tells the story of Lazarus who goes to paradise and the rich man who goes into, um, into the other side of the lake, into Hades. And we find that as we looked into the book of Enoch, that there were four stages to the idea of Sheol that the, that the um, Jewish people held onto. You had the four levels of Sheol, the first level being that the, the ones where the righteous went. And at the resurrection, that they would be resurrected with the Messiah. You had those who were good, who were just in this kind of plane of existence, that as soon as the Messiah came and there was resurrection, they would be resurrected as well. You had the third plane, which was for like the naughty kids on the naughty list, if you're thinking of it in the Santa's context, who were actually being tormented through the whole time of of the, from their death until the Messiah comes to resurrect. And at the resurrection, that they would still be resurrected with everybody else. And then you had the fourth level of Sheol, which is where those who are ultimately evil went. And at the resurrection, they weren't resurrected. They just ceased to exist. Um, and if you look at some of the writings of Paul and Peter, they talk about going into like the third or fourth heaven. Um, that's taken from the book of Enoch as well, because the book of Enoch also talks about multiple, multiple um, grades of heaven. 
Um, so when Jesus is talking, he is teasing out things that they've already uh, um, spoken about and already know to try and convey a greater message. And the greater message that Jesus is really conveying um, with Lazarus and the rich man is that La the rich man had everything given to him to remove Lazarus from the hell that he was living in while he was here on earth. And the rich man walked by Lazarus every day, observed him in hell, observed him in suffering, observed, observed him being dehumanized. The only person taking care of Lazarus was dogs coming to lick his sores. And he let it continue to go on. And then in the afterlife, the rich man wants the same from Lazarus. Hey, come, come and soothe my suffering. And they see they have that parallel here that inside of our reality now, inside of where we live here on earth, we have heaven and hell and that we have the capability to ease people's suffering. And that is when we lift people out of the hell that they are living in in the moment and bring them into something greater, into the harmony of where God intends to have people. And that is that glimpse of heaven that we desire to have. Heaven... If um, those of you who regularly attend our Wednesday evening Bible studies, remember how we were discussing a while back um, how everybody at the beginning of the of, uh, back in <clears throat> at the beginning thought like the world was flat. It had four corners and underneath was where dead people go. And up here is where the space of God is and um, how God's space was up and the place where God was not Hades or death or hell was down. And they thought the world was flat. And we have to understand of why they thought that. Because we didn't have spaceships to go look down. Hopefully I'm not offending any flat earthers out there right now. Um, but we have this idea of above is where God's space is. And Jesus shatters the idea that God's space is above. When God in Christ Jesus comes down to earth. Heaven came down and I think glory filled my soul. I can't sing very well. But heaven came down and expressed itself here on earth. And everywhere where Jesus went, the kingdom of heaven went with him. So as he feeds those who are hungry, a glimpse of heaven is exposed. As he heals the sick, a glimpse of the, re of the harmony of God and creation coming back together is exposed. And for those of you who, who are thinking, well, you know, for a lot, we've always talked about this idea that we get to meet each other back again in heaven and all that. We will get there. Don't say, don't think that I am neglecting the idea that there is an afterlife, but we so focus so much on the afterlife part that we, I feel like we neglect the present. And inside of the present right now, we have heaven and hell. And we're going to talk about how we choose heaven, how we choose hell, and which ones we are supposed to be walking in as um, the followers of Yahweh. I, I see some people talking about the video interrupting. I'm sorry about that. Um, I have two glasses of something to drink here so that I can wet my palate. So I want to start in Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, um, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossae. And he writes this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. For you have died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, 
then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put uh, put them all. Uh, sorry, but now you must put them all away: anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its Creator. Um, there is no there. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. So resurrection is a very integral part to this idea of heaven. Resurrection, this I, the concept that we will be resurrected with Christ in a future tense, is what we really seem to be talking a lot about when we talk about heaven. Paul is writing, and he doesn't use the word heaven, but I want to tease out why I think he's addressing the idea that heaven exists or, or the kingdom of God exists in the present tense as well as some future tense. So resurrection, there's two different forms of resurrection. We have spiritual resurrection, which happens in today's life. And then we have bodily resurrection, which happens in the future. Now, when we go back to the resurrection narrative we read on Easter morning, we find that one thing that Jesus does is as he enters into the presence of his disciples, he breathes his spirit on them again. And he says, just as my father has sent me, I am now sending you. Again, that is hearkening back to a, a very vivid picture in, the, in their mind of creation, the creation narrative. Now, the creation narrative is another interesting one to go through. Um, but the quick synopsis of the creation narrative, the creation narrative that we find in Genesis is um, Moses or whoever. We Moses more likely didn't read um, write Genesis. But we have um, this oral story that's been passed down to remind them from the Exodus that they are created for more than war. That inside of Egypt, they were taught that they had factions and that the God that they followed, they had to be in conflict. And that in their creation narrative out of um, Egypt actually talked about how one God killed another God. And from the blood of that God being spilled, humans were created and now they're at war constantly with each other. And now we find that the Yahweh creation story, the Yahweh creation story is that man and God are in harmony one with another. That the way that the world is meant to be is that man and God are to work in harmony together. That God created paradise and that he entrusts man to take care of it. And inside of the picture that we are painted for us in Eden, we find that heaven on earth is man and God walking side by side, tending to creation. That the difference between man and the rest of creation is that man has in the flesh of God in his spirit, making him a living soul. And then we find that, as Dean will argue again, that why did God put that darn tree in the um, in the garden? And we're saying darn because we're on Facebook Live, Dean, so sorry about that. Um, but man chooses that he doesn't want harmony with God and that he wants to be his own God and be just like the creator. And then we find that all chaos 
rules. And as sin or breaking the harmony with God happens, death enters into the world. And as death enters into the world, there is this blurring of what real heaven looks like. Heaven being God's space where God and man coexist together. In, this, in the same idea that if you think about Mary holding Jesus, that that was a divine heavenly interaction. That God being in the body of, God being the person of Jesus Christ, that wherever he went, heaven went with him. So we have seen that we, I, th I think that we have been fed this lie in regards to, um, in our contemporary cultural idea of what heaven is, these fluffy clouds and people playing harps. It's not biblical. It's not there. It's Tom and Jerry as Looney Tunes trying to sell a good story. Um, it's not there. It is mentioned nowhere in the scriptures that we will be playing harps and sitting on clouds and have wings. There's, I mean, I know it's not what people always want to hear because sometimes even people who have been entrenched in church for a long time think people who die now become angels. And, and that's that's really not part of a biblical understanding of what God actually desires for humans. Um, that the, the desire for God and humans is to have that harmony reestablished in the present that extends out into the new creation where heaven and earth become one and that everything revolves around God himself. Um, see, resurrection is not the idea that we are going to heaven when we die. Um, that is not what resurrection is. That's not a biblical idea of resurrection. When we look at some of the references to the actual resurrection story of Jesus, we find that at the death of Jesus, people came out of their tombs. Like it wasn't the resurrected Jesus and then resurrection happened. It was at the death when sin no longer had control. When the when sin when Jesus conquers sin at his death, we find that graves are open and people are resurrected into the present world again. That's not one. I, maybe the challenge for myself would be next Easter to talk about that specific uh, part of the uh, the resurrections or the Good Friday story of when Jesus dies and the graves open and people are walking around again. Death, you see, is the denial of God's created order. It, when we talk about the wages of sin is death, that is saying that when we deny the created order of God, that death happens. When we say that we are God, that death happens. And it's not it's not this um, instant death there where, where we just keel over. It's this idea of spiritual death followed by we all know that we have to pay taxes and die. And we're all going to die sometime. But we need, as Christians, this idea of an understanding of spiritual resurrection. And as we are spiritually resurrected, we have the ability to see the world through the lens of Jesus Christ and see heaven existing in the present. So Paul writes something really interesting. He writes to the church that they are presently being raised with Christ, which means that they have died to something and are now being raised. Um, so what we have to have an understanding here is we can't take everything literally. We take it as literature. And we have this understanding that Paul is not saying, well, they all physically died and now they all physically raised again with Christ because of the power of Christ compels them. We find that we have been raised with Christ. Our identity, our spiritual identity is now found in who Christ is. We are now alive to Christ 
and dead to sin. It goes all the way back to the misconception of what the Messiah was coming to do. He wasn't coming to liberate people from the entrapments of Egypt or Babylon or Assyria or Rome or any other occupying um, country. He came to reestablish the divine connection between humanity and God. And in doing that, we must now understand that we are alive in Christ Jesus and that sin no longer has to dominate our minds, no longer has to dominate our actions. And as we have an understanding that our mind is being continually renewed by Christ, that we will see the glimpses of heaven now, that in the chaos of everything that goes on, we can see the redeemable value of people, and we can also see how God is working with us to see the kingdom established in the here and now. We know that Paul is writing about our current life because we are to seek Christ who is with God above. Now, always the idea of above, that is God's space. Um, going back to when we're talking in the book of Daniel, that, that they, had the, they thought the earth was flat and that God's space is up here and death and everything else is down here. When it makes reference to above, it's not saying literally above you because we've sent humans into space and um, God is as much there as he is here. And um, they didn't find some celestial palace up there where God was like, oh no, you sent astronauts, you found me. This idea of above is this ascribing this idea of God's space. What Paul is saying is we um what Paul is actually saying is that we are to seek Christ who is with God in God's space. And in God's space there is this harmony that happens between creation being us and God being the creator. We know that Paul is writing about the current thing and he says this um, so like we said, it doesn't mean a literal above, not of this, but it means of not of this world. If we remember Jesus, he says, my kingdom is not of this world as he's being put on trial. You are right. I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. He's not saying that it is out in some celestial place. He's saying it's not the way that you believe the world works. My kingdom, Jesus is saying, is not like your kingdoms. My kingdom is not based on fear and oppression and war and strife and famine and uh, misogyny and taking advantage of people. Jesus is saying, my kingdom is completely different. And that's why Paul, uh, in, in this book of Colossians, writes about things that we used to do, but we no longer do. So until that day comes, let us live in a certain way because we are raised with Christ. Spiritual resurrection means that we are not following the things that bring death. So sexual immorality, impurity, evil desires, covetousness, idolatry, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, all bring death, all bring spiritual death into our relationships and into our communion with God. And this is where Dean will usually cheer up and say, that sounds like it's all the fun stuff. And yeah, it can be fun, but I'm, I'm missing you, Dean. I'm missing our interactions. Um, so we have, so Paul writes this, Paul writes in the book of Romans, um, for the death that he being Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives in God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. When Christ died to sin, we no longer have to live in sin. We can now live a life that is lived for God.
getting parched again. I'm sorry. What does a present day spiritual resurrected life look like? If we continue in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, these are the attributes that bring life. These are the attributes that as we read John chapter 15, and we see what it means to be attached to the vine and that the, that the fruit of God is produced in us. This is what I want us to see. That inside of heaven on earth, when we walk in the footsteps of Christ and we co-labor with Christ, that our hearts are compassionate. Kindness is, uh, is overflowing. Humility, meekness, patience. We bear with one another. We forgive each other because God has also forgiven us. We're thankful. Sorry, Paul also writes in Colossians chapter 3 that they sing songs of hymns, which makes me worried that maybe I don't get to experience all of heaven because when I sing, people say it sounds like hell. <laughs> I made a hell joke. Um, but whatever we do in word and deed, we do in the name of Christ Jesus. Paul, um, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul compares this a little bit further as he talks about this being our temporary home. Both this as our bodies, as our temporary home, and this idea of the creation that is that is waiting to be reconnected fully with God. That, that the world groans and moans saying, we are ready for new creation. We are ready for heaven to come down and reconnect with us as it was in the Garden of Eden where humanity walked with God and we had the glimpse of the true divinity of, the, of Yahweh and that was heaven. Paul compares the present bodies with our future resurrected bodies, calls them tents and home. Our present bodies he calls a tent. That is the sun that we are like sojourners, a temporary place. That this world is not our home. Now, this is not saying that we are aliens and we were planted here and then and then we're going to go back to the mothership sometime later. But when he's saying that we are sojourners, that we cannot, we don't find our identity, we don't find our purpose in the way that the world works. That we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, are the ideals of the kingdom of God come in conflict with the ideals of the kingdoms that are around us? And that there's that friction that happens as we try to see, as, as Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven. Remember, he says the kingdom of heaven is here. He doesn't say the kingdom of heaven is coming at some point. He tells the woman at the well that um, we, will, we will worship in spirit and truth now, not in some time in the future. So Jesus really talks about this kingdom of heaven being in conflict with the created, with the order that the world is in at this, at this moment. He refers to our future bodies, our resurrected future flesh and blood, um, as our homes, our resting place, a place where we truly belong. And that's the hard thing really for, for me to mull over in my head, that this, this world is not our home. Uh, that this way that the world works through oppression, war, famine, all these things that are going on, that this is not what God intended for humanity. God did not intend this for humanity. God intends us to walk in, walk in harmony with both him and everybody else. But he gives us that hope that we get the glimpse of that in the here and now, 
But in the future context, when we are raised with our, with our glorified bodies, as Paul writes in Colossians, that we will be brought to glory as Christ, when Christ returns, that the new heaven, the new earth, when he makes all things new, where there is no pain and no tears and no suffering, and we have our resurrected bodies, that we will be reconnected with the way that the world and God were supposed to be connected at all times. And as, as Dean will point out, and I'll, I'll just read it up here because, I, Dean, I miss you. I really do. Um, Dean, Dean says, um, why couldn't Jesus convince the Jews to see and live God's will and live by his rules instead of creating a whole new religion? I like that question. And then you, you won't like my argument because my argument is I hope that um, he didn't create a new religion, but he, in Jesus in Christ, showed heaven and people rejected heaven. God in Christ showed humanity what heaven looks like. And they said that they would prefer the world order that was already established. And we find that when they're offered the choice between Jesus or Barabbas. And they pick Barabbas over Jesus. They picked a violent zealot who was going around killing Roman citizens over the man who heals somebody in the Garden of Gethsemane when his ear is cut off. We find that humanity does like sin and that when Jesus shows them, shows humanity at large, the greater way of the kingdom of God, that he is beaten, crucified and buried. That's where like the kingdom of God and this idea of heaven isn't this idea of some happy place down the road, because as we enter into the kingdom of heaven in the present, it brings a conflict between us and other people. That's why, Jesus, uh, that's why um, the disciples were uh, martyred and killed and crucified upside down and boiled in oil and sent to Patmos where they had some really awesome mushrooms and the book of Revelation was written. And all of this, that, the, that heaven, does, heaven conflicts with the world. And I'm trying to keep these under 30 minutes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up. And like I had said earlier, this is going to be an extended, as I've been going through my notes preparing for this, um, this is going to be extended for a couple more weeks, not just the four original weeks that we had. So I feel like uh, Whitmer and I are on the same page about how long we should be staying at home. But yeah, that's a whole nother topic. But in summation today, one of the things that I want to really tease out from the scriptures is this idea that we don't want to always think of heaven as some future place. Some place that is some abstract, um, sitting on clouds, playing things, and having everything hunky-dory. Heaven and the new creation is much like what is experienced now. When talking about new heaven and new earth, in the book of Revelation, it talks about people bringing offerings to Jesus, to God, who's in the center of all things. And it's imagery saying that the world and created order will once again revolve around Yahweh. And inside of that created order, that us with our new resurrected bodies will be in on earth. On a, new, on a new earth where heaven and earth have come together and we will find fulfillment and we will find what the, to walk with Jesus, to walk with Yahweh truly is. So a couple of things to think about and tease out as we, as we go on. Please, 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 if you've got questions, feel free to... Um, you are right, I don't like it or agree with... Ooh, ooh, somebody... Okay. <laughs> Um, 
Um, uh, I will talk about that's a good one, Linda. The the tree doesn't necessarily mean that we. Um, it says that when they that that when they were going to eat from the tree, that they will be they will know and they'll be like God. That they will know right from wrong and be like us. It says, um, they, they their their goal was to be like, um, to be like God, to know knowing right from wrong. Um, so one of the things that we um are te trying to tease away from some of this is the following: that we read our Western perspective into some of this, and we really need to. Um, kind of just dive into what Jesus is talking about with the kingdom of heaven. The last um, couple of sermons that we did before we went into the stay home, stay safe realm was we were talking about the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. You have heard it said, but the kingdom of heaven is like this. And Jesus, through his parables, is teaching that the kingdom of heaven, that God's space is a very inclusive space where people, all people are welcome, and that he opens the doors to even those who are in the back alleyways. But the same, in the same instance, there are people in the present who reject what the kingdom of heaven is. We find those who are the parable where he invites people to come to his the wedding, the wedding party, and people make up all the excuses. Well, you know, I, I just got a, um, I, I just got a new uh, oxen, I just got a new field, I got to go and look at it and all this. And that they, they're more involved in what's going on around them than they are to see that the kingdom of heaven is in the here and now. So please feel free to email your um, questions. We will be continuing on this idea of what heaven is in the here and now, and we're going to be working into more of what the heaven is like in the future context as well between the next two weeks. And then um, we'll be talking about what afterlife looks like. So we looked at hell, we're looking at heaven, and then we're going to look at what afterlife looks like. So how is everybody doing? How is quarantine treating or stay um, shelter at home treating people? I think that I find myself going a little bit stir crazy every now and then. And if you were to ask um, Annie and Emmett, um, probably a little bit more grumpy than normal. Uh, but how is it treating you guys? You can, I don't know if the, the three or four of you who are left, if you want to just make a comment in there, in the um, comment section. But we will um, close for this evening. Um, we will continue next week, um, 7 o'clock, the same time, same place. And we'll be looking more at the idea of heaven, looking into the book of Revelation, where it talks about um, the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down, and how that really kind of reflects um, John chapter 1. And how we have parallels between John's both of John's writings, um, between John chapter one and what he writes in the book of Revelation. But one thing I want to say to everybody is um, stay safe, um, wash your hands for twenty seconds at least. Um, if you need a mask, please let me know. We've got a couple people in our in our church who are making masks, and we can definitely get masks for you. If you need things dropped off at your home, feel free to shoot me a message, and we'll see what we can do. But May God continue to give you peace and grace and may he continue to allow you to um, endure what we're going through as a country and a globe at this moment and continue to remember um, those who are serving on the front lines in your prayers each day. Um, may you go in peace.